Hey everyone, welcome to episode 98, Comparison is the Thief of Joy. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. And I love this quote by Theodore Roosevelt. And he says what the title of this podcast is, Comparison is the Thief of Joy. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because our brain goes straight into compare and despair. Now you think about comparing on a continuum. So I always ask people when they're comparing themselves to another mom, another house, another body, another car, another career, another child, another husband, another set of parents that they wish they had growing up. I always ask them, are you inferior or superior to other people? And they're like, of course not. No, I, most people don't feel superior to other people. So when I ask that, they're kind of taken aback. Well, no, I don't feel superior to my neighbor. Or no, I don't feel superior to that mom on the PTA. And I say, well, do you think that she feels superior to you? And they're like, no, of course not. But when we compare, it goes on a continuum. In the middle of compare and despair is confidence. And that's what we're always going for. We're always going for healthy striving. We're always going for the middle of the road, that Goldilocks confidence. What we do when we compare and despair is that we use other people as evidence, almost like we're on trial to say we're not good enough in a certain area. And then we use other people, other objects, other stories as a comparison and almost as a person to stand trial for the evidence to prove the case that we're not good enough in XYZ area. So I want you to think about the area that you compare other people or other things in your life the most. And there's nothing wrong with comparison. Now remember, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, they kind of all tie together. Other people's opinions, being people pleasers, compare and despair, they're all intertwined. They come from a place of looking external for our value and our worthiness. This is really good to know because then when we are aware of it, we can gently with compassion, with love, gently guide our brain to think different thoughts. And that is how you create a conscious life. There's nothing wrong with comparing. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that the other person's better or worse. It just means your brain is doing what brains do because it wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. This doesn't mean you had bad parents. This doesn't mean in third grade because you weren't picked to be on the kickball team that it left residual damage and now you're damaged for life. Nothing has gone wrong. I want to normalize your brain as much as possible on this podcast. And I hope I do by repeating myself over and over and over about how the brain works. The brain has felt pain or anguish or stress in a certain area of our life. And so it goes straight to, well, we're not good enough. Most people are walking around thinking the thought, I'm not good enough in XYZ area. So what area is it for you? I like using the seven Fs of ULA to kind of think about what area am I doing the most comparison in? It might be in your faith, family, fitness, finance, field, fun, friends. Like you see someone going on a vacation, they have so much more fun than our family. Field just means your job or someone else's job. And so think about comparing on a continuum. We're in the middle is confidence, which is always what we're aiming for. But do we always get it? Absolutely not. 
It's not possible to always feel confident all the time. But when we're aware of this work, then we can just see what the brain does when it goes to compare and despair. So on one end of the spectrum, we use another person, let's say their party planning abilities or their house cleanliness. A lot of you are putting moral and character judgment based on the cleanliness of your house. And I want to tell you, stop it. It has no reflection of you, your worthiness, your value, none of it. You might look at someone else's house and say, they're so clean and tidy. They're better than me. So then you go with the continuum of shame, self-loathing, not feeling good enough. And that doesn't feel very good. And let's say in your mind, you say, well, my house is so much cleaner than XYZ person because I was over there. So then you might go into pride, feeling superior, feeling better than, and that doesn't feel very good. And most of the time when I say, do you go to someone else's house that's messier than yours? Putting that in air quotes because it's all in the eye of the beholder. Remember, I used to teach in classrooms and my classroom looked one way, another classroom looked another way. We were both happy campers. You have to find what works for you, your kids, your spouse, and whoever else is living in those four walls. That's all that matters. The comfort level for those four walls. Even within your four walls, David and I sometimes have different opinions on how clean the house is. He thinks it's a mess. I'm like, really? I think it looks amazing. So it's all made up in our head. So then you're either using comparison to feel inferior or superior. And neither of those feel very good because we go into pride and judgment and feeling better than someone else. Or most people, including myself, go into shame and the shame spiral of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, and the self-loathing, and then we just beat ourselves up. And so the reason why we do this, our brain does it, is because when we're little, we're always trying to get the straight A's, we're always trying to be the star athlete, or we're always trying to be the first seat in band. So it's always looking at others as almost like our competition or looking within ourselves as competition. And if we're not perfect, then it's just why we even try. I was listening to Wu Wei about this and they said, well, that measuring stick, it doesn't work because you end up using that measuring stick as a whipping stick, as evidence. Okay, evidence number one, neighbor number one, look at their house. Their house is cleaner than mine. See, I told you I'm not good enough. Evidence number two, neighbor number five, step up to the witness box. See, evidence number two, evidence, and you just keep going and going and going. And we're just whipping ourselves with made up stories. And I love that quote by Regina Brett. She says, if we all threw our problems into a pile and saw everyone else's, we'd grab ours back gladly. And it's very true because you have to remember every human being on this planet has a 50-50 experience. They're gonna go through pain and trauma and loss and grief and all of the tricky emotions that we all feel. And it might look different for other people, but it's still the same pain. So every human being goes through the same 50-50 experience. It could be with their kids. It could be with their spouse. It could be with their house. It could be with a tornado that came, but no human on this planet, children included, get through this life without all of those tricky emotions, feeling them. And they're gonna be different for different people, but they're all the same. And so sometimes we get into almost like a comparison of our problems. Well, my problems are bigger than their problems. Their problems are not bigger than my problems. Then we get superior over like, well, my problems are the biggest. And a lot of times people don't share their problems. So it's like we're arguing with a ghost because we have no idea what they've been through. I posted a quote the other day. It says, what's the hardest thing you've been through so far in life? Oh my jaw dropping. I didn't even know how to respond. Hundreds of comments, hundreds, I tell you. And my email, so many people, hundreds of emails saying, I wanted to put this on Facebook, but I haven't spoken to my mother-in-law in six years and we had a falling out and she watches my stuff on Facebook sometimes. My father who abused me, I can't talk about that on Facebook. People are really struggling or they have struggled or they're feeling the pain or they're feeling the residual pain from what happened that caused it in the beginning. Go on my Facebook page, Kelly Stout Hutchison, April 22nd, 12.49 p.m. 
I just thought it was a random question. I had no idea the outpouring and it kind of normalized it for everybody else. I couldn't read them all even if I tried. Losing my husband and watching my kids fall apart after four years, some of them still haven't dealt with it, let alone accept it. Losing my baby's daddy to a police shooting. Being raped and becoming pregnant. Happy to say my daughter has been my saving grace and the biggest blessing in my life. Leaving a cult. Infertility. Losing my grandfather from throat cancer. He was like my second dad. So many things I wish I could talk to him about. An abusive relationship. Thank God I'm out. Losing my husband to cancer. A tornado three years ago made my home unlivable for six months. And it took a year and a half to completely repair while homeschooling my special needs daughter. Only to have my house destroyed again this last summer by back-to-back hurricanes and still waiting on work to begin currently. I mean, what is going on? The loss of my best friend since third grade to a diabetic coma. She was three months younger than me. Losing my first husband to colon cancer at age 32. My oldest daughter going to live full-time with her dad when she was 13. My father dying. My mother dying. My mother and father dying within four months of each other. Getting divorced. Raising a child with mental illness. My son staying in the NICU. My daughter passing away just four months after I moved close to her. Depression. Anxiety. Mental illness in my family. Taking care of my mother-in-law who's dying. Having a 125-pound TV follow my daughter's head, fracturing her skull and giving her a brain injury. Losing my baby to SIDS. Losing my 30-year-old son to a car accident. Losing my daughter's twin brother before he was born. Bankruptcy, job losses, losing fake friends that I thought were real. Living off food stamps for a while after a job loss with three children I had to feed. Being drugged and raped and having an abortion. Then three miscarriages before I was able to have my first baby. Getting sober and staying sober through loss in this pandemic. The reason why I'm not talking is because my jaw is on the floor. I can't even articulate my heart reading all of these. And this is, how many did I read? Maybe 20 out of hundreds and hundreds. So people are struggling. People go through this life and they're in pain. They're either in pain now or they've gone through incredible amounts of pain. And they're just trying to pay the electric bill and empty the dishwasher and keep everything together. So when we have grace and compassion for other people in all of those stories, you have a story too. You probably commented right there. I know I did. And so giving the same grace and compassion and love that you give to when you hear these stories and that empathy and just the, I feel you, I hear you, I see you, that energy, giving it to yourself is the greatest gift you can give because then you just stay in your own lane and you know that some people are gonna be quote unquote better at you. Let's say it's that party planning. They're a better party planner. Okay, now what? Is that you're gonna throw the baby out of the bathwater now you're a horrible human being? Okay, their house is cleaner. If they were gonna be on House Cleaning 101, the game show, and they were to win the game show. Okay, now what? Okay, so their house is cleaner. Does that mean that you're less valuable as a human? No, it's not a whipping stick. Sometimes we can use other people as being our crystal ball. Sometimes we can use other people saying like, oh, you're a little bit ahead of me in that area. How can I learn from you? My dad did this when I was playing soccer growing up. I was trying out for the state select team and then the regional team and then the national team. And every time we tried out, I was center midfield and there was another center midfielder named T, short for Teresa, which is ironically my middle name. What? And she was so good, bro. I mean, she was like fire from like halfway. She could like score a goal. And she was fast and she could juke everybody and she was really good. And sometimes we both made the team and sometimes they only had room for one and she would usually make the team. Okay. So my dad would go up to T's parents and compliment them and say, your daughter is so amazing. They would beat us 5-0. Let's say we played in high school and we played against each other. And they'd beat us 5-0. And my dad would go up to the parents and go, your daughter is so talented. And then on the way home, I heard all about T. So I never saw T as competition. I never saw me against her. It's like, let's go watch T play and see what we can learn from her. Not from a place of Kelly, you're a horrible soccer player, 
but how can we watch her and learn from her and get better because we're watching her? Even though she was quote unquote my competition. Now I'm a kid, I don't know any different. So I just think that's what you always do. You just look at the quote unquote competition and you see what you can learn from them. Not from a place of I'm gonna beat you, it's from a place of I'm gonna learn from you. And sometimes I see a lot of people who listen to our podcast, they'll use this work as evidence and they'll use it against them. They'll use our podcast as a whipping stick. Well, my kids aren't like Kelly's. I'm not like Kelly. So, you know, I can't have it because she's 5'7 and I'm only 5'2. So I, I can't have what she has. Oh, that's why I'm here to show you. I'm like literally leading the path. Do not use this work against you. Use this work to inspire you to be the crystal ball. I cried myself to sleep for so many years, begging for answers, begging for a podcast like ours, begging. And then I figured it out. I was like, oh my Lanta, I am gonna share this until I'm 99. I'm 46 now. So you got a lot more episodes coming. Cause I feel like it's not fair for us to beat ourselves up and to pummel ourselves day in and day out when we didn't like really make ourselves, if that makes sense. We all know that we were made from something much bigger than us. Maybe it's God, the universe. You think you just plopped into your family's life. Whatever you think of, you know that there's something bigger and greater. And so whatever you think that bigger and greater source, energy, God, universe was that made you that many years ago, let's just use God for easy reference. I feel like God's a little annoyed. Like, hey, I made this beautiful flower in you. And now you're complaining about all the things that you're not when I made you just the way you're supposed to be. And we can see that in babies. We never look at a baby and say, well, that baby, oof, she's got some chubby thighs, that baby. We're like, oh my goodness, what an angel, what a gift sent from heaven. You were once that baby. You still are that baby. You're not in the hospital laying in a pink and blue blanket, but you still have that beauty and that qualities and all of that goodness within you. And when you can see it within yourself first, you can see it within your kids because you're gonna project that onto them and you're not gonna use your kids as a whipping stick to prove what a horrible mother you are. I used to always call myself, if I wasn't a perfect mom, I was like, oh, loser mom, loser mom status. And I was always ripping on myself. And then if I needed evidence, I'm like, evidence one, Lily had to melt down at the mall. Evidence two, Grady drew on the walls. Evidence three, and then I would take the stand. I'm like, I snapped at them. And so comparison can literally steal your joy. All these beautiful flowers are around you and we are spending all of our time with our whipping stick thinking that that's somehow gonna motivate us for change, what? Or motivate us to be better because so many clients tell me, well, if I'm not hard on myself, if I don't beat myself up, if I'm not using my whipping stick, then I'm just gonna lay on the couch and watch Netflix. I'm like, uh, do you really think that's true? Because I know a way that motivates me is when, if I have a boss, a coach, when I was younger, a parent, if I want them to motivate me, inspire me, I need them to like, I don't know, be nice to me, encourage me, focus on what I'm doing right. That kind of helps. So it's the same way with the relationship with ourselves. Think about if you had a boss. Think about if you had a coach. Think about if you had someone that was above you, so to speak, in the hierarchy. And how do you want him or her to treat you? It's the same way to treat yourself. We always talk about anti-bullying, anti-bullying, say no to bullies, stay away from bullies. But when we're bullying ourselves, I think that's kind of annoying for God or whoever you think created us of like, I created this beautiful flower and now you're just gonna like rip on the flower? Like what? And I love this quote, it says, don't compare your life to others. There's no comparison between the sun and the moon. They shine when it's their time. Amen, whoever said that quote. Comparison is an act of violence against the self. Wow, that was by Yanla. Vazant. And Zen Shin says, using the flower analogy, they say, a flower does not think of competing to the flower next to it. It just blooms. And Nitin Namdeo says, two humans are completely different from each other. Comparing them is like insulting nature. Isn't that true? So when you're aware of it, 
then you can stop it. And you don't stop it like stop it and get mad at yourself. Well, I shouldn't compare myself because I compare myself to Kelly and she never compares herself. You just gently guide your brain into confidence. You're on the continuum and you're in compare and despair. And it's usually from lack. It's usually from self-loathing. It's usually from beating yourself up. And then you use this imaginary measuring stick as a whipping stick. And it doesn't feel very good. It's kind of like when Grady and I are playing Mario Kart together, or sometimes all four of us play. We just got two more controllers from the Easter Bunny. And so we have four controllers and we're all playing. And so it's pretty cool. Like we're all playing Mario Kart, like it's a racing game and we all have our own boxes. And I, I'm not that great at it, but I have to literally focus so much on what my cart is doing just to get like within a single digit placement. And so a lot of times our kids will be playing with us and they'll say, oh, daddy's in third and I'm in second. And I'm like, I'm in, and Lily's like, oh, I'm in fourth, here I come. And then I'm like so focused on what I'm doing. If I even for a nanosecond peek at their little box, I am in big trouble. I'm gonna go to double digits placement immediately because I have to be so hyper-focused on what my little Mario Kart is doing to do the three laps without going off into the ditch. And they're so much better at it where they can like glance and look around. If I look away for a minute, I'm done. A couple of years ago, Grady and I were riding our bikes together and he kept looking back at me. I said, Grady, eyes forward, eyes forward. And he kept looking back. And every time he looked back, of course, naturally, his arms would turn the wheel a little bit so he would lose alignment and he'd be off in the grass. Sometimes even fall off his bike. This is when he was real little. I'm like, you have to keep your eyes forward. As soon as you look back at me to see what I'm doing and where I am, I'm not gonna be far behind. I'm always gonna be right behind you. He was trying to like race me, but every time he did it, he would go off in a ditch. And that's the same thing we do in our life when we're on our own path. And then we're just looking to see what everybody else is doing. And am I good enough? Am I good enough? And what's that kid doing? What's that parent doing? And what's that house doing? And what's that job doing? And what's that car doing? And it just gets exhausting. And then we're always trying to keep up with this imaginary Joneses when we don't even know who they are. And guess what the Joneses are experiencing? They're experiencing their own 50-50 in their own way. I've never met a person who doesn't have a 50-50. And that's reassuring to know because then when the brain goes into victim, I have it harder than anybody else, then you can settle into like, I'm having the exact journey I'm supposed to have. I love this quote. It says, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated by purpose. When you are staying in your lane and you're doing what your heart is telling you to do, not what your mind is telling you to do. Because remember, the brain always wants to get us off track. The brain is always doing what Grady was doing when we were riding bikes. The brain is doing what would happen to me if on Mario Kart, I looked into the other boxes to see what place they were in. And so that's why I always say on Facebook, Instagram, all the things, don't follow me. Let's link arms and do this together. But don't follow me, follow yourself. Be your own leader. That's when you step into emotional adulthood and you create the life by design and you create the home that you want. Not what Kelly says, because sometimes I'll recommend, okay, read this book. And then the author will post something on Facebook or Instagram and they'll say, I can't believe you recommended them because they posted that thing. I'm like, it's not the baby with the bathwater. Take the parts that you like that resonate and work in your heart and then add your own spice and flair. Sometimes I'll recommend a book and they'll say, oh, that talks about God too much. And then I'll have another email back to back that says, that book didn't talk about God enough. I'm like, well, you can take what you liked from the book and then you can add your own spice and flair with God or not with God, how much ever you want. But you get to decide. I can't send you to bed without supper. Last week I said, I can't send you to dinner without supper. I think I said something like that. I'm like, what? When I was listening back, I'm like, oh, B minus, there you go. And I always say, tell people not to worry about the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it, where you're spending your consciousness, where you're spending your time, where you're spending your love, where you're spending your effort, when you're spending all of your mindset is in the grass that you're fertilizing. Because you see other people's grass on Facebook and Instagram and they're posting their 50%. I know I'm posting my 50%. I have a lot of other 50% that's going on. I just found out someone stole $7,000 from me since 2019. 
$7,000. I had no idea until about 10 minutes before we recorded this podcast. Sucker punch to the gut. And I was like, you know what? Here's my 50-50. What can I learn from this? What can I grow for this? I'm finally a dispute. Talking about a credit card. It's like all the things. 50-50 all day. Let's go. Because what happens is when you're able to feel the 50-50 tricky emotions, which I don't like to call negative, they're tricky. They are tricky. This is a tricky emotion that I'm feeling gutted by. So when we're able to process those feelings, lean into the feelings, open up to them, I'm not going to grab the Twinkies. I might have a Twinkie, but it's not going to be seven of them. I'm not going to drink my feelings. I'm not going to stuff my feelings. I'm going to be like, wow, this is disappointment. This is dread. This is ug. I don't know if ug is in the dictionary, but it is now. It's in the Kelly Dictionary of Emotions. I'm going to talk to my kids about it. This is what happens when you feel totally betrayed. It's like my stomach feels like a knife went into it. I'm probably not going to use those words with my kids. But the more that we can process it, what happens is you're opening up to the dread and then you're able to open up to the other emotions too. It's like a pendulum of love. It's like the more you allow in the dread and the ug and the sucker punches, then you are able to open up more to the vulnerability of love and compassion and contentment and gratitude. It wasn't from anybody I know. I'm grateful for that. It wasn't my best friend. It wasn't my sister. It wasn't my dad. It wasn't my mom. It wasn't my husband. It wasn't my kids. That's a positive. I'm going to go love on them and hug on them because I trust them implicitly. This is from someone I didn't even know. So how can I lean into the dread? And then when I do that, I feel gratitude even more. And you probably heard this quote before, but they say, don't compare your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. And I think it's really hard with Facebook and Instagram because it's all you see and your brain just goes to lack. Look at that vacation. I have a loser family. That's what the brain goes to. Instead of look at that vacation, they must be having so much fun, period. Not even I can't wait to go on ours. And I also don't want you to look at Facebook, Instagram, social media, whatever you're looking at, that's making you feel dread and ugh and not feeling good enough. I don't want you to use that as evidence to stand in the witness box of evidence of why you're not good enough. Because they're showing their 50-50, just like I do, just like you do. Nothing has gone wrong. They're not being fake. They're showing the parts of their life that they love. So we can love it with them. And then we have parts of our life that we love too. And then we have parts of our life that we don't like that happened to us, like when you read those hundreds of comments. And you have a story too. And there is some sense of comfort knowing that we're not the only one struggling. As soon as I struggled with infertility, there was no Facebook and Instagram back in the day, so I couldn't really talk about it. So I found message boards on Baby Center. And I'm telling you, those message boards and me starting a blog called Life with IVF, which I thought rhymed at the time, those things got me through the darkest times because I needed to know that I wasn't alone. So when you know you're not alone and you know that other people have 50-50, then when you see the 50%, you don't make it evidence to stand in the witness box of why you're not good enough. You use it as evidence of why you're so happy for them and they're your crystal ball of what's 50% in your life that's awesome. And then the other 50 is part of the human experience. So then when your kids have their 50-50 experience, they probably won't have thousands of dollars stolen from them, but they might not have someone to sit with them at lunch. When they're in third grade, that's a big honking deal. They might try out for a team and not make it. That's a big deal when you're in ninth grade. They might study their spelling words and miss them all. That's a big deal when you're in first grade. So then we can like lean into their 50-50 with them and not expect them to be happy all the time. Like I used to want my kids happy all the time because that's creepy and weird. And that's step for children. I know when I was putting so much pressure on them to be happy all the time, they weren't happy that often. I couldn't force them to be happy because guess what? They have their own free will. So when you open up to your own free will and their own free will and you let them be who they want to be and you let your spouse be who they want to be, all of a sudden life feels a lot lighter and fluffier. You're staying in your lane and you'll come in first place in Mario Kart because you're focused on your square and not all the other squares. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, 
you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.